welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. And I'm Chad. Not the podcaster formerly known as Chad? Eh, I got tired of saying it. It's a, it's a lot. It's it a is. Mouthful. I don't yeah. understand how Prince did it. <laughs> Yeah, he was royalty. He eventually went to a symbol because it became <laughs> <Yeah>. too much. <laughs> and yeah, it's a podcast, not really a visual thing. I mean, I guess I could just make start making the sound. Just <laughs> the podcasts are known as <laughs> the, the mantra of the sigil. <laughs> well, before we get started on this week's episode, do we have any business to cover? I have a special message from Luxa about the Green Mushroom Project. Oh, let's hear what she has to say. Hey there, this is Luxa, host of the Luxa Cult podcast, here to tell you about the Green Mushroom Project. This is a large-scale, ongoing, remote group working that you can be a part of, which was created to forge bonds of connection and friendship as we regain ground. The Green Mushroom is a hypho sigil. Hypho means web with which we have established a network of green-aspected healing and friendship magic that practitioners can draw upon to work acts of healing, repair, and abundance. The mushroom is also a saprotroph, meaning that it eats dead stuff, and its symbolic connection with death can help to dissolve trauma to make room for new growth. Another thing the hypho sigil is about is helping people find agency through using magic so they can make positive changes in their lives. The easiest way to start working with the energy of the green mushroom sigil is to incorporate it into your practice or do some art or other creative project with it. This was designed to be accessible to practitioners of any experience level. Once you've connected with the web, you can start to work acts of healing, abundance, and repair. A simple way to begin this is to imagine the mushroom spores, little glowing specks of green magic, collecting where they are needed and doing their work. Uh, You can work with the energy of the hyposigil's web in any way that makes sense to you, as long as it's within the intent of the project. You know, doing chill shit. Just please don't be a dick. There are built-in countermeasures. So far, we've had a lot of really positive results with the project. If you feel like hanging out on Fungal Friday to chat about your practice or your work with the sigil, or maybe you feel like participating in one of the remote group rituals, join the Green Mushroom Council on the Faith Blind Council podcast Discord server. With the symbolism of the mushroom, there is certainly an inherent dick joke, and we like to mess around and have a good time. Laughter, after all, can be the best medicine. Maybe you don't feel like participating in this way, but you feel like you could still use a bit of extra love or support or inspiration or anything like that. If that's the case, then you are more than welcome to tap into what we've created. You see, since magic isn't a zero-sum game, your working with the web will help to strengthen it in much the same manner as it is intended to strengthen all of those who interact with it. If we're a forest or a stand of trees, then the green mushroom hyphosigil is like the vascular arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi, which works in sometimes unseen ways to provide support and connection. So, if you're into it, join us in whatever way works for you. You can join the Discord server or write the sigil in your journal as a reminder to practice good self-care or whatever. 
Uh, you can draw the sigil on an egg or a banana and do some breakfast magic. Maybe make some art or music or whatever your deal is. Maybe try out some other creative thing you're curious about. You can share pictures of your work with the sigil by using the green mushroom hashtag and follow the project on Instagram at hyphosigil. You can also join in as we light a candle with the sigil on Friday at midnight Eastern US time. As we say the following words to remind ourselves to resist. Resist by maintaining sovereignty of the self. Resist by maintaining love of the self. Resist by maintaining fierce loyalty to love and pleasure. Resist with acts of radical kindness. Focus on the path to better times. Hope to see you on this or the astral plane. Much love. Thank you, Luxa, for sending us that little message. Thank you so much. And I know we teased about it a couple episodes back, but we do have some really awesome information. Um, Some awesome things are happening in the background here. And... I'm getting excited because it's about time to announce it. Yeah, it so, is. You guys, we it'll got a be, big announcement coming up soon. It'll be coming soon. Also, before we get started on this week's episode, uh, we're going to give you guys an update on Eli. Eli is in the hospital right now. He has had to go undergo two surgeries in the past three weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Um, he is in the hospital due to complications from the first surgery that he had. Um, um, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, he'll be out yes, and recovering. Hopefully. He's supposed to come home on Tuesday. This will release on Thursday. Um, but he did get an infection from the first surgery. Um, so they had to go back in and treat that. And he has a long road of recovery ahead from this one, simply because infections are just, they're hard to clear up. I've been there. Um but just keep him in your thoughts and your prayers. Send out good, positive energy. Um, we hope to have him back here next to us in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, this actually, I think, was a blessing in disguise because they found some things that were causing him some issues that nobody knew about. Mm. So hopefully this is going to be... A, it's, a, it's a good... It's a... Blessing in disguise. It's silver lining. Kind yes. Of thing. So yeah, um, visualize some healing mushroom spores going his way. Yeah, definitely. All right, on to this week's episode. This week we are covering Thunderbirds. We actually tried to cover Thunderbirds back in like our second or third episode, and that was before we had our uh, research skills down and couldn't find anything. But that has changed. We have gotten smarter and wiser to the ways of the internet. So, Dave, yes. what did you find? It was once a widespread belief amongst the North American indigenous peoples that Thunderbirds, which are giant supernatural flying creatures, were responsible for lightning and thunder. Thunder! Thunder was caused by the flapping of their wings and lightning by the closing of their eyes or the opening of their beaks. According to legends... Thunderbirds also waged war with other supernatural creatures and at times granted favors to human beings. Many Native American groups have their own stories about the legendary bird. 
The Algonquians viewed the Thunderbird as an ancestor of the human race and was involved with the creation of the universe. Other cultures told of Thunderbirds which guard a nest holding an egg. This egg hatches all other bird types. The Iroquois of the Eastern Nations, the Shawnee of the Woodland Tribes, the Sioux of the Plains, and Nez Perce of the Northwestern Tribes. Not sure if I said that one right. But they all recognized the Thunderbird as a mighty force against the evil spirits of the underworld. A Lakota Sioux myth says the great Thunderbird was the grandson of Wakatanka, the spirit that created the world and put people on it. But the water spirit, Unktehi, thought the people were lice, and she and her followers tried to drown them in a great flood. The people retreated to the highest hill they could find and prayed for help. Wakantanka came to fight Unktehi, then enlisted the help of the Thunderbirds to send lightning crashing to earth. Unktehi and her followers were defeated. As a result, humankind was saved. I think Unktehi was probably the most correct in the assumption that humans were lice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> They're a plague upon the earth. <laughs> According to Lakota myth, before creation, Wakatanka existed in a great emptiness called Han, which is darkness. Feeling lonely, he decided to create companions for himself. First, the great spirit focused his energy into a powerful force and formed Inyan, which is rock, the first god. Next, he used Inyan to create Maka, the earth, and then mated with that god to produce Skan, the sky. Skan brought forth We, the sun, from Inyan, Maka, and himself. These four gods were separate and powerful, but they were all part of Wakataka, the great spirit. The first four gods produced four companions, moon, wind, falling star, and thunderbird to help with the process of creation. In turn, these companions created various gods and spirits, including whirlwind, four winds, buffalo, two-legged creatures, like humans and bears, sikun, which is thought, nagi, which is the spirit of death, niya, which is the breath of life, and nagila, the shadow. All of these beings were aspects of Wakatanka. Together, they created and oversee everything that exists. Interesting they have bears as two-legged creatures. I don't think of a bear as a two-legged creature. But does that explain Bigfoot? Sasquatch. The Yeti. Dun, dun, dun. People often confuse bear. Sasquatch with Bigfoot, yet he doesn't complain. Uh, uh, Chad said that joke like two or three episodes back. I know, it's a callback. You know what a callback is, right? <laughs> That's when you don't want to call somebody back, but you do it anyway. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I ain't no callback girl. <laughs> I think it's hollerback girl. Oh. <laughs> Close, though. The legend of how the great Thunderbird Wakatanka 
save the human beings from the evil underworld monster, Unktehi, comes to us from the vision quest of a brule, which is a Sioux medicine man. Because of her dislike for any creature unlike herself, Unktehi decided to flood the earth and destroy the human beings. She did this by swelling her body to fill all the oceans, rivers, and streams, leaving no room for the water. This caused a great flood which covered the earth, except for a few mountaintops. The truthful, pure, and loyal human beings fled to these mountaintops to survive. Wakintanka, seeing this, decided to help these human beings and began a great battle with Unktehi that lasted for many years. Wakataka first tried to fight Unktehi on the water, but suffered many wounds and was losing the battle. Wakitaka withdrew to the sky and called the Thunderbirds and their young to a council, where it was decided that to fight Unktehi in her world of water was futile, and it was best to fight from their world, the sky. Sky, sky, sky. It was decided that all the Thunderbirds would release their lightning bolts at the same time. It was very effective. This was done, and the waters boiled, and Unktehi was burned, as were all the forest and the land, was desolate except for those truthful, pure, and loyal human beings on the mountaintops. Nothing was left of Unktehi but her bones, which had turned to stone and can still be found in riverbeds all over the earth. Wakatakan caused rain that nourished the people, and they flourished. Wakatanka was therefore revered in all the tribes as a powerful ally of the human beings. The Sioux believed that where lightning bolts struck the ground, medicine stones were formed. These stones were thought to have great magic and were highly valued by the medicine men of their tribes. Two things. First of all, I love Native, Nat- I love Native American folklore. Mm-hmm. Me too. The stories are just so awesome. I love the way that they explain natural occurrences and natural features. Like as a kid, I've all—I mean, since I was a kid, I've always loved the Native American stories. But second, I mean, where lightning strikes, especially if it strikes in sand or in soils, it does create glass and rocks and things like that that mm-hmm. are really cool to look at. So, and then you think of all the energy that gets stored in those features. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Where the lightning strikes and the thunder rolls. Another heart grows cold. This tale is from the Ho-Chunk Indian legend. Many, many years ago, a young Winnebago Indian orphan boy lived in a small village with his grandmother. He found a friend about his own age. One day they hunted for hickory wood to make bird arrows, which they used for hunting hawks. Orphan boy captured a young pigeon hawk and took it home. Soon it became his pet bird. Sometime later, orphan boy put a little tobacco in a bundle and tied it around the hawk's neck. It disappeared for a few days, then returned without the tobacco bundle. Again, Orphan Boy tied another bundle of tobacco around his pet's neck. It disappeared again, but returned, or, but returned to Orphan Boy as it had before. 
When the pet hawk became fully grown, Orphan Boy suggested that it might want to go away and make a life for itself. So he tied another tobacco bundle around the pigeon hawk's neck, thanking him for staying with him for so long a time. Immediately, the bird flew away and never returned to Orphan Boy. Another day, Orphan Boy and his friends hunted for dogwood to make pointed arrows. They accidentally became separated in a low fog. From above, however, a bad thunderbird saw Orphan Boy and swooped down, seizing him in his claws. The huge bird carried him away to his home in the high mountains. For a long, long time, the friend looked for Orphan Boy. Finally, he gave up searching far and wide. But every day he faithfully returned to the place where Orphan Boy had disappeared, mourning still for his lost companion. When the bad Thunderbird reached its mountainous home, he and his friends tied Orphan Boy down to the floor. Their purpose was to hold him there until nothing remained in his stomach. Then they planned to devour him. Little Pigeon Hawk decided to go and have a look at Thunderbird's prisoner. Imagine his surprise to find that Orphan Boy, his kind friend, was the prisoner. Little Pigeon Hawk left and decided to hunt for some young birds and roast them. Later he returned, putting some of the meat under his wings and secretly dropping it into Orphan Boy's mouth. Every day Little Pigeon Hawk brought meat for Orphan Boy until the Thunderbirds became suspicious of Pigeon Hawk. The next day, the bad Thunderbirds decided to exclude Little Pigeon Hawk when he came to visit Orphan Boy. One Thunderbird pushed him toward the door, but Little Pigeon Hawk accidentally on purpose fell close to the fire and scorched some of his feathers. He made a great noise and commotion, running to his big brother, Big Black Hawk, who was the chief of the Thunderbirds. "'What can the matter be, little brother?' asked the chief." Little Pigeon Hawk told his big brother the whole story from the beginning. When the chief heard all, he became very angry. Immediately, he went to the place where Orphan Boy was still held down to the floor. The chief scolded the bad Thunderbirds for their wrongdoing, because they had pushed Little Pigeon Hawk too close to the fire. The chief announced that they could no longer keep Orphan Boy as their prisoner. Chief Big Black Hawk cut the ropes and took the freed young boy home with him. Every day, Little Pigeon Hawk brought roasted bird meat for his friend Orphan Boy, helping him to regain his strength. Later, Orphan Boy made a bow and some arrows, and took Little Pigeon Hawk hunting with him. Before winter weather arrived, Chief Big Black Hawk informed his little brother that it would be better for Orphan Boy to return to his own people. He does not belong up here with the Thunder Spirits. And I do not think Mother Earth Spirit will approve of it, said the chief. Little Pigeon Hawk took Orphan Boy back to the very place from where he had disappeared a long time ago. That evening, Orphan Boy's old faithful friend came as usual to that place and found Orphan Boy had returned. How surprised and delighted both boys were to see each other again. Orphan Boy told his old friend everything that had happened to him since he had been kidnapped by the Thunderbird. A Thanksgiving feast was prepared by the grandmother for both families to celebrate the happy homecoming of the boy stolen by the Thunderbird. From that time forward, Orphan Boy and his faithful friend had many happy hunting times together, trying never to be separated again. Did they have Thunderbird for dinner? <laughs>
I like that story too. They're so good. The only issue I have with it is they didn't give Orphan Boy a name, so you really didn't get that connection. I felt the connection. But then again, all my D&D characters are orphans. <laughs> I have to say I'm pretty proud of you guys. Nobody snickered at Chief Big Black Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about it. <laughs> We're failing, Amy. Uh, it's like your favorite... Words with a friend's card. Not words with friends, but... Uh, words with friends card. Yeah. <laughs> cards against humanity. Cards versus humanity. Uh, that cards. one's April's favorite uh, card. Right. Big black cock. Mine's Pac-Man. <laughs> Uncontrollably guzzling cock. Yeah, that one's my favorite. Oh, and there we are. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one is uh, Harry Potter, or er, David Ratcliffe's Bleached Asshole. Yeah. That one's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Shawnee tradition has three figures that control weather. Each of these was created by the grandmother spirit and was so instructed not to cause harm to the Shawnee. One of these is Cyclone Person, a female face with braids of hair that cause tornadoes. She is given great respect by the Shawnee for not harming them. The Shawnee are not afraid of these storms. The second weather spirit, which is actually four separated spirits, is called the Four Winds. The four winds are often called upon to witness prayers, and they have colors associated with them. The winds were told by Grandmother Spirit to respect all women and not to stare at them. Shawnee women will pull up their skirts up to their waist to embarrass the winds, thus causing clouds to retreat. (laughs) The third spirit, and most well-known, are the Thunderbirds. The Thunderbirds cause storms when they fight with the great horned serpent and other evil creatures. I find this absolutely fascinating, especially when we consider how many myths involve a serpent or dragon being defeated by a thunder hero or deity. Like Thor and Ragnarok and, yeah, Zeus. And and Inra. Yeah. Interesting. Lightning is caused by blinking their eyes. The Shawnee believe that the Thunderbirds guard the entrance to heaven and are honored by Kispoko during the war dance as the patrons of war. Thunderbirds also appear in tales as boys and can speak backwards. So that's why Norman doesn't really get tornadoes. Yeah. We got some Shawnee women out there lifting their skirts as the storms come rolling in. But we have had a lot of tornadoes hit Norman in recent years. Well, I guess the um, so ladies. I'm going to guess that that didn't get passed down to the next generation, so... Nope, storm's rolling in. I don't know what Native American blood we have, but maybe I'll try that next time the storms are blowing in. <laughs> <laughs> walk outside and lift your skirt. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Tornado comes rolling in. Like, oh, sorry, ma'am. Turns around. <laughs> goes back the other direction. <laughs> All right, the next one is a quill ute tale. Thunderbird turns people to stone. A man was living at Beaver Prairie. He was an elk hunter. He went off hunting very early one morning, but soon he came back. He told the people, I saw a very big bird sitting just a little way above the ground in a tree. That was Thunderbird. Here is a feather that I took from Thunderbird's wing. The feather was as long as a canoe paddle. 
He had had to bend it in order to put it into his arrow quiver when he brought it home with him. After he showed the feather to the people, he said, I also saw a very big whale on the prairie. It had been carried there by Thunderbird. Thunderbird was resting in the tree because the whale was so heavy. The man sent word up, all the Quillet people living at the mouth of the river. Come up, we will cut up whale. He is so large that Thunderbird cannot carry him further. All the beach and river natives came at once to the prairie. There were from three to six people in each whaling canoe. They came to cut up the whale. When they reached the place, whale was lying there dead in the lower part of the prairie. It was just as that man had said. The people began to measure off the parts each wanted. One family took the saddle, another family took the head. In this fashion, they divided the whole whale. By evening, they had it all cut in pieces. All over the ground, pieces of blubber were piled. It was evening. The people were hungry. They cooked some of the whale meat and ate it. It tasted all right. It was good to eat. It got dark and the clouds overhead became very black. Thunderbird was coming back. He was very angry because the people had stolen his food. Lightning flashed from his eyes. It began to rain a little, not so much at first. Then the rain changed to hail. The hail was larger than a man's fist. It killed and mangled all the people there on the prairie. Thunderbird was very angry with those people because they had taken the whale. After the storm, all those people were turned into stone. All the meat and blubber that they had piled there was turned into stone. Thus a ridge was made of great rock blocks from one end of the prairie to the other. The ridge is still there today. Even Whale's ribs and his great head may still be seen. See? So freaking cool on how they explain things. I love it. The link between these mythological birds and the real giant birds of modern reports may just be syncretic, but... There is no doubt that the traditions brought the name for what people have claimed to see all over America. Thunderbirds. Thunder. The first recorded sightings I could find were in the 1840s in the heavily forested Allegheny Plateau in northern Pennsylvania. Before I get into the sightings, I want to offer some fun facts. The largest of predatory birds, such as the eagle, which weighs about seven pounds at most, attacks small mammals, reptiles, fish, and at times other birds. According to wildlife expert Roger Karras, who also wrote, The stories about eagles carrying off human babies and even small children are pure myth, yet the stories persist. You know, we used to have a little um, men pin. Yeah. That at her biggest weighed five pounds. And I remember her taking her to our grandparents' house down in Sulphur. And this was when she was a pup. So she was maybe a pound at this stage. And I have her out in the front yard on a leash. And this hawk starts circling above me. And it keeps getting lower and lower and lower. So I grab up the dog as it comes to swoop down to get her. And that was terrifying because I was like, not my baby. But she would have been on that leash and I would have 
oh, I would have beat that hawk. <laughs> <laughs> My next fun fact is the largest of the American birds is the condor, which have a wingspan of 10 feet at most. Although one was captured in the early 20th century, which had a wingspan of 11 feet, 4 inches. Condors, unlike eagles, have very weak feet, and as a result, they feed on carry-on because they cannot carry their prey. So they're like vultures. <coughs> a 19th century nature encyclopedia named Felix A. Pouchet's The Universe, published in 1871, tells of a sad incident that occurred in the French Alps in 1838. A little girl, five years old, called Mary DeLay, was playing with one of her companions on a mossy slope of the mountain. When all at once an eagle swooped down upon her and carried her away in spite of the cries and presence of her young friend. Some peasants, hearing her scream, hastened to the spot, but sought in vain for the child. For they found nothing but one of her shoes on the edge of a precipice. The child was not carried into the eagle's nest, where only the two eagles were seen surrounded by a heap of goat and sheep bones. It was not until two months later that the shepherd discovered the corpse of Mary DeLay, frightened, mutilated, lying upon a rock a half league from where she'd been bone off. A Tippecanoe County, Mississippi school teacher recorded the following in the fall of 1868. A sad casualty occurred at my school a few days ago. The eagles have been very troublesome in the neighborhood for some time past, carrying off pigs, lambs, etc. No one thought they would attempt to prey upon children. But on Thursday at recess, the little boys were out some distance from the house playing marbles when their sport was interrupted by a large eagle sweeping down and picking up little Jimmy Kinney, a boy of eight years and when I got out of the house, the eagle was so high that I could just hear the child screaming. The eagle was induced to the drop his victim, but his talons had been buried into him so deeply that the, and the fall was so great that he was killed. Either would have been fatal. In Kentucky in 1870, a quote, monster bird, something like the condor of Sinbad the Sailor, unquote, landed on a barn in rural Stanfield owned by James Pepples. Pepples fired and wounded the bird, took it into captivity. A newspaper, of a newspaper account of the time said, On measurements, the bird proved to be seven feet from tip to tip. It was of black color and both similar and dissimilar in many ways to an eagle. Unquote. According to Reno Evening Gazette, in August of 1881 on Prince Edward's Island in Canada. A bald-headed eagle suddenly swooped down in an attempt to carry off a two-year-old child of Miss Clancy's, playing in a field alone. The light clothing gave way with every tug of the ferocious bird and tore it to ribbons. Some men working nearby came up in time to save the child from injury, but the eagle refused to go away until shot at. In Franklin County, Pennsylvania, in 1886, the Wellsboro Agitator reported, An eagle attacked a nine-year-old son of I. Martin of Hamilton Worship and attempted to carry him off. The glorious bird did not succeed in this, but the boy was badly injured. This is so weird that these birds are carrying off these children. Yeah. It's definitely 
Paranormal. There's a whole Monster Quest episode dedicated to giant birds carrying away children. Pterothors! In Truckee, California, the Truckee Republican reported in 1887. (laughs) The Truckee Republican. A few days ago, a child of Mrs. Smith living in West... Living... Living on West River Street was playing in the backyard when a monstrous eagle swooped down and fixing his talons in the child's clothes attempted to fly away. The screams of the child attracted the mother who rushed out the door at which the big bird flew away. It is thought that the eagle measured 10 feet from tip to tip and had it not been for the timely arrival of the mother, the child would certainly have been carried off. In the summer of 1897, the New York newspaper detailed this encounter in Eagle Valley. A resident say that a big eagle swooped down into his yard a few days ago and tried to carry off his child. Its mother saw the little one's peril and drove the hungry bird away with a club. In September of 1899, in Enadale, New York, the Hornisville Weekly Tribune read... A bald eagle measuring more than six feet between its wingtips flew into the yard of William H. Berry and it attacked his two-year-old son. Mrs. Berry ran screaming into the yard and the eagle rose, being joined by its mate. The both circled over the house. The Washington Post reported on an incident which occurred on February 2nd, 1900, near Pitcame, New York. For days, an immense eagle had been eating food, the farmer Josiah... Elm tree had put out for his sheep. His efforts to shoot the creature came to nothing. Then, as a f- his five-year-old daughter played about the barnyard, the eagle flew by and snatched her. Alerted by her cries, Elm tree rushed out of the barn and began shouting. Evidently startling, startled by the sounds, the eagle dropped her on the roof of a nearby building. Her father fired at the flying fleeing bird, but aside from losing a few feathers, it escaped. Near Waterville, Pennsylvania, November 1900, the India Weekly Messenger said, Mrs. Isaac Holden heard screaming from outside where her two-year-old son Clayton was playing. When she ran outside, she saw a huge eagle trying to carry off the little boy. With the broom in her hand, she struck the bird, which then turned on her and tried to peck her eyes out. Eventually, it tired of struggling and flew away. I just want to bring up, we've been covering these missing 411 cases where these children are carried many, many miles away and bloodhounds can't find them. They don't find tracks. Could they be being carried off by these thunderbirds? There are a lot of these cases, yeah. I'm thinking of that one and and a half year old that went supposedly had to have swum through a swamp. Yeah. Yeah, makes more sense if it was picked up by a bird and then dropped. and yeah. The Denver Republican, out of Denver, Colorado, reported in December 1900. The two wires which are strung across the lawn at the courthouse yesterday saved a four-year-old boy from fleeing the talons of an eagle in his tender flesh. That it was the intention of the bird when it swooped down to carry off the child. There can be little doubt, but that it could have been done so is doubtful. The bird is an unusually large black eagle. A number of them have been seen around the city lately, and it is assumed that the recent snows in the mountains 
have driven them into the plains. Near Coweta, Oklahoma, the Ada Evening News said on January 1907, the five-year-old son of farmer Nero Charles was attacked by a large gray eagle a few days ago and narrowly escaped with his life after being carried 50 yards by the fierce bird. So far as in town, this is the first time in the history of Indian Territory that a child has actually been picked up and carried by an eagle. The child weighs 50 pounds, and no time did the eagle succeed in getting more than 8 to 10 feet above the ground. The child was not injured, save for bruises and scratches, when his parents found him. In July of 1925, two tourists took Consolation Valley in the Canadian Rockies of Alberta saw what could only be described as a large eagle very high in the sky. As it approached the 7,500-foot-tall Tower of Babel, they noticed it was huge and brown, and it carried in its talons a large animal. It dropped the animal from a considerable height, Observers rushed to the area and found a 15-pound mule deer fawn. A Wisconsin newspaper called the Sheboygan Press reported in 1923 that three-year-old Edith Dorschel vanished during a picnic at Sturgeon Bay. It was suspected. John Eagles, which have attacked sheep flocks in this vicinity for two weeks. The child wandered away from the group and disappeared in the wild-wooded area nearby. Picnickers recalled that the eagles had hovered over the picnic ground shortly before the child had disappeared. I have to say, the town of Sheboygan, the name Sheboygan, has to be one of my favorite town names <laughs> ever. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> I love the name Sheboygan. I don't... Sheboygan! Sheboygan! Lyman witnessed one of these back in the 1940s, sitting on a road north of Cowdersport. He described it rose into the air a few feet off the ground, stretched out its wings to a distance of 20 feet, then flew into the dense woods. It flew through the forested area with no trouble. Lyman thought it looked more like a very large vulture. It was brown with very narrow wings and a short neck. This, he says, if a thunderbird, would have been a juvenile as there are a few legends that say they're big and strong enough to lift whales from the ocean, as easy as eagles carry trout. In 1948 in Illinois, many people reported an immense bird about the size of a Piper Cub airplane that looked like a condor. The Piper Cub airplane, if you're not familiar, is 22 feet long with a 35-foot wingspan. In 1969, Mm, Mrs. Boyle, the wife of Sheriff John Boyle, saw an enormous gray-colored bird land in the middle of the creek right outside the couple's cabin, situated on Little Pine Creek. After a few moments, it lifted itself, and she said, Its wings appeared to be as wide as the stream bed, which I would say was about 75 feet. That same summer, three men saw a similar bird snatch up a 15-pound fawn near Kettle Creek. In the Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania area, just east of Clinton County, numerous reports have been cited of Thunderbirds over the years. On October 28, 1970, Judith Dingler described one as a A gigantic winged creature soaring towards Jersey Shore. It was dark-colored. 
and its wingspan was almost like that of an airplane. Several others traveling along the same road saw it also. Pennsylvania writer Robert R. Lyman wrote in 1973, Thunderbirds are not things from the past. They are with us today, but few will believe it except those who have seen them. The present home is in the southeastern edge of the Black Forest, Susquehanna River, between Pine Creek, on the east of Kettle Creek, at the west. All reports from the past 20 years come from this area. In 1975, in Puerto Rico, (laughs) there was a series of unexplained killing of farm and domestic animals. Chupacabra. Owners began to describe being awakened by a loud screech, followed by the flapping of enormous wings. Oh, flapping. (laughs) Several daylight sightings were reported of a, quote, whitish-colored gigantic condor or vulture, unquote. So they got, not only do they have the chupacabra. They have thunderbirds They have thunderbirds as well. (laughs) And I wanted to go to Puerto Rico. (laughs) Don't take the children. Sounds like they have albino thunderbirds. In 1975, in California, residents of Walnut Creek saw a bird over five feet tall that bore a head like a vulture and had gray wings. They were approximately 15 foot across. Nearby in East Bay, a number of people saw the same or a strikingly similar bird on top of a roof. Beginning on the evening of July 25, 1977 in Lawndale in the Illinois county of Logan, three boys, including 10-year-old Marlon Lowe, were playing in a backyard when they saw two large birds fly in from the south. They swooped out of the sky towards his playmate Travis Goodwin that took cover in the swimming pool. That was when they swooped down on Marlon Lowe, grabbing him by the straps of his sleeveless shirt, lifting him off the ground by a few feet. Parents Jake and Ruth Lowe and Jim and Betty Daniels ran out to witness Marlon, who said, Not today, bird, and began punching away until it dropped him after a 40-foot flight. Mrs. Lowe, who was chasing after the bird, said, The bird just cleared the top of the camper, went beneath some telephone wires and flapped their wings very gracefully one one more time. One more time. <clears throat> they both flew off north in the direction of the tall trees along Kickapoo Creek. And according to witnesses, the birds were about four feet long, black with white rings on their long necks and at the tips of their wings. They have curved beaks, and after consulting books at the library, the Lowe's decided they resembled condors. Not today, Satan! (laughs) (laughs) Not today, bird! (laughs) Which is what you would have been doing if she would have snatched up our little Trixie. Mm -hmm. Like, not today, bird! I've been punching that bird. You owe me three fifty! You've been three fifty! In the same area on July 28th, a woman driving near Armington at 5.30 p.m. saw a huge bird flying at rooftop level that was larger than the hood of her car. She noted the white ring around its neck. Two and a half hours later, near Colville in McLean County, Stanley Thompson and five other people flying a model airplane suddenly noticed an enormous bird about to perch on the barn. Instead, it started circling over them for several minutes and flew north towards Bloomington. 
They estimated the wingspan to be about 10 feet and its body 6 feet long. The body was brown and the wingtips were white. At 5.30 the following morning between Armington and Delavan, the mail carrier James Major stopped to watch two large birds in the sky. One flew slightly behind the other. Then they swooped down towards a cornfield and onto a pig farm. That's where it lifted up what Majors thought to be a 40 or 50 pound baby pig, passed in front of him, and joined up with the other big bird. Majors described the wing flaps like that of a jet taking off. Majors thought they looked like condors, but much, much larger. On August 11th, on a farm south of Odin, Illinois, just after 7 a.m., a large gray blackbird flew in from the northeast and made a 300-foot circle as if looking for a tree big enough to land on. It settled upon the one by the pond close to the house. John and Wanda Chapel observed it for at least five minutes. Mrs. Chapel said, It looked like a prehistoric bird. It was really fantastic. The head didn't have any feathers, and it had a long neck, crooked like an S-shape, the body covered with feathers. The body was covered with feathers. We couldn't tell much about the feet, but it had long legs. Mr. Chapel judged its wingspan to be 10 to 12 feet. They both agreed it was four feet high. The distance from the tip of the beak to the back of the neck was eight inches. The bird flew off to the southwest. Hey, Berkey, hold on a second. <laughs> hey, John, go go grab the tape measure real quick. Yep, that's eight inches. <laughs> hey, John, whip out your... See if how big it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how they were so 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 comfortable with what they thought eight inches was. <laughs> so it, really, it was like three inches, and he was just lying. <laughs> in September of 1992, right by the Wildlife Refuge in Lycoming County, Kim Foley and her son observed, quote, A very large bird eating a dead deer. It was huge, dark brown, almost black, an ugly beak, looked right at us in the car. It was that tall. In the summer of 1992, Alliston Strearn, while hiking near Shingletown, spotted a huge eagle-like bird, dark brown or black, the size of an airplane. I, I know I have seen some big birds in the skies. And it was, it was last summer I was sitting there and I could see these birds circling above the house. But they were high above the house. Yeah, man. To the point that they were just specks. And I kept thinking, how big are those birds? Because, like, they were, there was a plane that came by that went under the birds. So they had to have been either further off in the distance than I could tell or really high up. But they were just little specks. And I just kept watching them thinking, those have to be giant freaking birds for me to be able to see them this far away. They never got closer, so I never could tell what they were. But I mean, it's not uncommon for us to have hawks, eagles, and vultures. Flying say, I've seen turkey vultures that are my size. They get big, um, yeah. I remember mowing our grandparents' lawn down down around Sulphur area of Oklahoma and had one swoop down over my head when I was mowing and it was as long as the riding tractor was. Yeah. 
And then, I mean, it, it cast a big old shadow and made me duck. And I watched <laughs> it fly by. And I mean, it, honestly, a turkey vulture is what it sounds like they're describing. Yeah. With no feathers on the head. Yeah. White. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a turkey vulture to me. Yeah. And they get fucking big. And I wouldn't expect them to be that big, but. Yeah. <clears throat> but it doesn't, I mean, but when you're talking about vultures and stuff, if they, the reason why they eat dead stuff is because they don't have yeah, the grip. That mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for them picking up children, children and, and being able to carry them off. Yeah. Yeah. Or 50, 60 pound pigs. That or doesn't, gear, that, that yeah. would be more like a, a hawk or yeah. an eagle. Or even an owl. Owls can get big. Yeah. Heck, like, I've had an eagle who's or a hawk that's been in my neighborhood lately. He's eyeing my dog. You're, you can't get your. I dog. was say my dog weighs like sixty pounds. Yeah, she might be small, but <laughs> she's one dense <laughs> puppy. And I, I just see him out there on, in the trees, and he'll just start squawking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just I can tell he's just like staring at her, and I'm like, try it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like I said, when we had that little minpin. She wasn't allowed outside without us outside. Yeah. Simply because of the fact that any... Ho- I mean, we have all kinds of uh, birds of prey out here. You, we got kites. We got hawks. We got eagles. I mean, owls. All that stuff mm-hmm. circles out here all the yeah. time. And little Trixie, yeah. Any of them could have... Even even a small little kite could have yeah. taken her off. So... She got attacked once by a mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we I actually came home one day and there was a kite eating one of the neighbor's chickens in oh. our front yard. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, they're out here all the time. And I remember there was... I think when we did our Mothman episode, I was talking about how I walked out onto the back porch. And the big old owl. And the big old owl took off. And, I mean, from my memory, he was three feet tall with probably a six to seven foot wingspan. I don't know how much of that is... My brain expanding that memory over time. It scared you. Because it scared me so much. You're like, oh, Lordy, he turned into the Goblin King and stole my baby and everything. <laughs> and that's another thing, too, when I'm listening to these stories. It's like, how much of it is just kind of exaggeration over time? Because like I said, I'm not sure that's actually how big the thing on the fence was. But it was enough to startle me that in my mind, I picture this gigantic... Well, obviously, Same. one of them was close enough to get out the tape measure and measure eight <laughs> inches from the beak to the back of the neck. So, Or whip out his dick and measure side by side. One of the two. Check the ruler. Just <laughs> <laughs> about the length of my phone. Uh, yeah, it's about the same size. Yeah, I, I... Yeah, these are interesting stories. Yeah. In the Monster Quest episode, you know Monster Quest always has to do the reenactments. Oh, and they try to make it sound so scary. Yeah. And the other there's like reenactment of this kid like flipping, flailing as he's being picked up by the eagle. I think it was actually the one where she punches it. Oh, right. I think it was yeah. that story. Actually, when you were reading that, I was like, that sounds like that story. But yeah, it's a good episode, of Monster Quest, if you can find it. So, ca- so classically trained ornithologist, which if you're not familiar, they're they're like bird nerds. Um. <laughs> They typically don't concern themselves with Thunderbird phenomena. How- <laughs> However, Illinois State University ornithologist Angelo P. Caparella, who has a little bit of interest in cryptozoology, has remarked, The lack of interest of most of ornithologists is probably due to two factors. First, 
There is a lack of sightings from the legions of competent amateur bird watchers. The number of good bird watchers scanning the skies of the U.S. and Canada is impressive. Every year, surprising observations of birds far from the normal range are documented, often photographed. How have Thunderbirds escaped their roving eyes? Yeah. How? Yeah. There's Same way, Bigfoot. I, I like the ideal of the good bird watchers <laughs> and the evil bird watchers. <laughs> watch, there's a movie about it uh, with Owen Wilson and yeah. uh, 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 Steve Martin. Yeah. yeah. And Jack Black, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's actually really That's funny. That's a really funny movie. And yeah, there's evil bird watchers. Which I called the ornithologists the bird nerds, but really it's the bird watchers that are more the bird nerds. Now, his second reason was that such creatures lack an adequate food source in the areas they have been reported. I don't agree with that. We've just read a bunch of stories about them picking up kids and fawn and pigs. And oh, absolutely. And then no telling what else that they're picking up. <laughs> Stray cats... Stray dogs, homeless people. How many cases were there of children and adult uh, children abducted in just Washington State alone? Missing, yeah, in state <laughs> parks, with all those mountains, with all those mountains and forests, huh? 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 Maybe they have cloaking devices. The people or the. No, the birds. Oh, the birds. <laughs> the birds are actually reptilian spaceships, man. Do you like my cloak? Well, you know, there's pictures out there of pterosaurs in modern time or semi-modern time. You know, there's the one with the Civil War soldiers yeah, and all actually that. actually found a bunch of those on Google today. I mean... Let's think of it this way. Dinosaurs evolved into birds, right? Or some scientists believe. Yeah. And then birds get made, especially the chicken, into chicken nuggets, which are shaped like dinosaurs. dinosaurs. <laughs> the irony is the not The circle of life is complete. <laughs> the circle of life. But I mean, there are big birds. Think of an ostrich. Yes, there oh, are. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. one on TV. <laughs> or an emu. I mean, as we've talked about in the past, there are animals that are big animals that are being discovered for the first time. Oh, yeah. So, what's not to say there's not some giant flying bird out there somewhere? And they're just in few enough numbers that we don't know that they exist. When they fly high enough, you can't really tell yeah. what they are that high. Yeah. And... I like the. I love how people always talk about how there's so many people that you would be able to find there. You know, blah blah blah. There is so much freaking wilderness in the United States. Oh yeah. People don't even think about it. Most people don't leave their little towns. But if like Oklahoma is like a perfect example of that for me, or like even Texas and Kansas, all the surrounding states, honestly, where you can drive. Two to three hours and not come into a town. Yeah. You know, and it's just openness, open fields, prairies, all that stuff. And there aren't people out there all the time. Yeah, the farmland farmers are out there checking their crops and all that. 
But even at that, they're paying attention to the ground most of the time. And they're only looking at the sky every once in a while. And most of the time, they're just waiting for that shit to grow. And they're not even out there. Yeah. So, I can easily see how... And, le- I mean, only certain certain people get to see them. Because there's just not that many of them. Um, I know in one episode we did a... I looked up the information on how many it takes for a population to exist. I think that was our Jaguar episode. But even our if... Black Panther episode. Oh, e- yeah. Even at that, if we've got, like, flying creatures... <laughs> well, it's not to say that they don't have nesting zones. You know, like turtles. Like turtles. High up in the mountains where people aren't at. Turtles come to the exact same spot every year. Or the the big sea turtles. To lay their eggs, you know. So what's to say that these birds aren't doing something similar to where, yeah, they fly high up into the mountains, lay their eggs, and then they come out. So there would be enough for a population. Food, I don't think, is a problem at all. Because they can literally get it from anywhere. Um, yeah, obviously they can go in the ocean. Now, typically, typically birds are migratory, but not all birds are. Yeah, and that's what most people count on with like these bird watching people is the migratory patterns of them. Yeah, you know, it's like you can go to like oh, like Lake Thunderbird. We have a we have a lake here named after the Thunderbird. Um, a certain time in the spring and watch the bald eagles migrate over. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't I don't think the thunderbirds really need to. Yeah. I mean, owls don't really do it. Yeah. I think at some point when the birds are big enough, their bodies can't handle the weather. I think it's the smaller birds that require the sustenance to survive and Yeah. I think most because your small birds mostly migrate to chase the insects, which die off or burrow themselves so deep underground that yeah. they can't get to them in the winter. Yeah. But your bigger birds that go after mammals, they don't really need to leave the area. Yeah. I, I'm not a bird person. Well, I'm I don't not either. know much about birds. I don't like birds. <laughs> I like them, but I wouldn't like one I like them from a distance. With yeah. Me. I will watch birds. But yeah, I'm, I'm not... Like, I love snakes. I research snakes. I read about snakes. I like snakes. Birds, I'm like, eh. I, no. Not a pet I would ever have. Not, I, I'll feed them. Yeah, I like but to like, <laughs> I guess, look at ducks. <laughs> I'm just picturing you out there with Dean. Here, go. <laughs> take, the, take the child. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Goblin King, Goblin King, <laughs> wherever you may be. Uh, I'm sorry, what, was you, what were you saying? I was about to say, I was thinking about it, the size. Look at ducks. Geese and swans get pretty darn big. Swans yeah. especially. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll beat your ass, too. Yeah, they, <laughs> they will. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean. <laughs> Nothing scarier than Canadian getting, geese. I remember getting bit on the nose by a goose. Have you, there's a video going around on Facebook of a, ge- a goose in, like a Canadian ge- goose in a, a lion cage at the zoo. And that goose is just it's like attacking, s- attacking the lion, or the tiger, tigers. tigers. Yeah. <laughs> this tiger's like, what the hell? What the fuck is this thing? Why is my food attacking me? <laughs> oh, and they'll, they'll hiss too if you get yeah. close oh, to yeah. like their nest. I didn't know they would hiss. Another bird that's really big turkeys. 
I see turkeys all the time, and the those turkeys can get pretty darn big too. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of big flying birds out there. I mean, I don't know how much of this is misidentification, and how much yeah. there really is a gargantuan bird out there. And it could be like a condor. Condors are endangered, so there aren't many of them out there. Who's not to say that there's not, you know, every once in a while there's just a really big animal that's... Yeah. I mean, there's just a really big condor that happened to have been in that area. And if you're not used to seeing birds that big, it's easy to exaggerate the size. Yeah, it's just like a fishing tale. Yeah. Every time you tell the story... The fish just gets a little bit bigger. It's like my four by seven foot owl that was on the fence. I, I honestly couldn't at this point tell you if that's what it was. But in my head, that's what I picture when I see it. It's Mothman. <laughs> and then, yeah, how many of these are just actually flying humanoids like like your Mothmans or your bat squatch, your bat squatches and Jersey Devil, Jersey Devil, <laughs> I can't Spring Hill Jack. Hmm, 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 hmm. This one gets me pondering. Or it could be your shape shifting reptilians. Reptilians. Wear eagles. Wear eagles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's way cooler than a wear cow. <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there. I want to be a wear eagle. The ability to fly. Exactly. <laughs> ability to get shot down. Oh. <laughs> I'll stay a cow. Just <laughs> <laughs> <guess> get butchered. <laughs> What do you want? A bolt to the head or shot I don't know. A, a bolt to the head is pretty instantaneous. <laughs> Getting shot down out of the air. Mayday. Mayday. Coming down for clack crash landing. <laughs> Please buckle yourself in first. Then the child. <laughs> We're going down. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Bolt ahead. Oh, didn't feel a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Never even knew what happened. <laughs> hmm, what's that? Oh, that's cold on my forehead. <laughs> Dark and morbid, we have gone. Anybody else have any topic or theories on the Thunderbird? I want them to be real. I honestly think they probably are. I think it's just a large bird. I think some of it's misidentification and mismeasurement, but. And I mean, heck, if they do cause thunder and lightning, you're not going to fucking see them through the storm. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, <laughs> we just had a thunderstorm yesterday. They uh-huh. were going at it. Actually, it wasn't too bad. Giggity. It wasn't too loud. <laughs> they were wrestling with that giant serpent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. And I think that's really cool. Ah, it's like a Dora. Sorry, I just watched guys are looking at monsters. So, you guys are thinking about Thunderbirds. So I'm just. Picturing Ghidorah flying. Big three-headed Hydra dragon. Fights Godzilla. Because it harnesses lightning. There's also Gilgamesh, who defeated Tiamat, and Yahweh, who defeated Leviathan. And, I mean, the list goes on and on of storm gods and deities that defeated serpents or dragons. Yeah. I also like that there's a whole other origin story for Flood. I was saying the same. The oh, connection yeah. of yeah. another Flood story. Yeah, it actually kind of has me wondering if the global warming thing hasn't happened before. Hasn't had like sure the sea levels have risen 
we we talked a lot about that on our Anunnaki episode. Yeah. That a lot of these mythologies you can base like what year they were kind of written surrounding the yeah. time after the flood. But I again, I love Native American stories because I love how they explain things. Like for me, there's always lessons in them. Honestly, and between them and uh, Indian mythology, they yeah. just put so much detail in storytelling to it oh yeah compared to some of the other mythologies i i remember reading a bunch of those back in elementary school and stuff and that was like always my favorite thing because there's always like a native american artist that would come and read books that they had written or whatever and i always loved hearing those tales and stuff so good the creativity involved yeah and i also think there's a big there's something really big about them being past is there, t- there are stories that need to be read to you. You know, that's the way they're written. They're written to be passed down. Passed down. Yeah. So when you hear somebody who's written one, read it to you. It just, it, I don't know, it just adds to it. My grandma used to tell me a story about the Thunder People um, defeating the Great Serpent. Yeah. But I didn't really share it because it was... the th- And in the Cherokee tradition, it's more thunder people there really isn't thunder birds that i know of yeah or at least she never told me anything about them see that's one thing that you've got too that is so awesome is that you know your cherokee heritage and a lot of that was passed down to you yeah well, yeah and mm-hmm. like with us we know that he was born in indian territory but he refused to tell anybody what tribe because he was embarrassed of his heritage. Mm-hmm. So, half, yeah. so we have absolutely no idea what we are. We have like a rough guess. Well, you also got to remember at, at that time there was a lot of racism and oh stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like the only reason I know this stuff is because my grandma told me about it in the the 90s and the, mm-hmm. in the 2000s. I mean, if I would have grown up in the 50s or 60s or even earlier than that, it would probably, there wouldn't be any word of it. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, yours, your family even stopped claiming Native American heritage because they were sick of getting moved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they claimed to be white because they were sick and tired of having to move every time the government decided they wanted the land that they'd moved them to. Yeah. So, but yeah, Native American legends are awesome. That's one of my favorite things about living in Oklahoma is we are so in the middle of Native Native culture and I just like absorb it all. It's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbirds are featured a lot on totems. Yeah. Well, like I said, the school... Thunderbird is the mascot. We've got Lake Thunderbird just, what, four miles from where we're at right now. Um, Thunderbird Casino. I mean, Thunderbird is a name that's used a lot around here. Mm -hmm. Um, Our basketball team is named after the thunder. Well, Yeah, -hmm. yeah, thunder from the storms. That's another thing, too, is we have thunderstorms on the constant from like March to July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got a lot of Thunderbird battles going on. <laughs> um, we need some eye drops or something. If it's when they just blink their eyes. Yeah. Some eye drops, you know, which just <laughs> might explain why we don't have a lot of flooding here at times. We'll have flash floods, but I don't think we've had any major floods here since I was like a baby. And that was in El Reno. 
Yeah, I mean, we've had floods that last like a day. Yeah, so they're just flash floods yeah. that come from a rainstorm. Yeah. I mean, the the lake will rise and the river will rise. I mean, if you're in the 10-mile flat, you're going to experience well, more yeah. constant flooding. But but that's because you're like what below sea level there, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? Yeah. I mean, along the river, there's flooding. And if you live on the lake, you're going to deal with flooding from time to time. But yeah, we don't really... I mean, I can't think of any major floods we've had, at least in... The Oklahoma City metro area in my lifetime. Yeah. Looks like we've got the Thunderbirds protecting us. Mm-hmm. You know, they bring in rain and cause flash flooding. But <laughs> you know. You gotta have take you gotta you gotta balance. <laughs> you get it what out. you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, we need some more women lifting their skirts <laughs> during and, tornado season. <laughs> and these earthquakes can fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been having a lot more of those here lately, too. Again. I'll take tornadoes over earthquakes any day. Yeah. At the risk of sounding conspiracal, if they'd quit fracking. If they'd quit fracking, <laughs> fracking. <laughs> they might just stop. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. They cut back the fracking and they did stop. And now they're. Picking it back up again, and them earthquakes is happening again. But that's for another podcast and another <laughs> time. Yeah. Um. We don't talk about anything real here. <laughs> or what are you talking about? These Thunderbirds <laughs> are, are real. real. Allegedly. Uh-oh. No, I need to become a wear eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a wear duck. <laughs> <laughs> Feel the wrath of Eagle Fang. <laughs> wear duck. I'm picturing Darkwing Duck for some reason. <laughs> Darkwing Duck is the best. <laughs> wear Eagle. Oh, nope, wear duck. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I don't she know, just found out her power. <laughs> I, th- I think Duck Man is the coolest of them all. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's Howard the Duck. The comic was way better than the Steven Spielberg. Comic. <laughs> I still love the movie, though. <laughs> the movie was good. <laughs> was it the Goldbergs where the grandpa's like, she's going to have sex with that duck, is she? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, she is. Oh, rest his soul. Ah, uh, The 90s, 80, or 80s, I guess. The 80s had some interesting movies. I didn't see them till the 90s because <laughs> I was too young in the 80s. Um, actually, I don't think I saw Howard the Duck until like the 2000s. It's probably one of the ones I made you watch. Probably. You're like, this is this is awful. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> That's the point. It's so bad, it's good. Oh. They all hit that point. So, yes, either we have a flying Howard the Duck. <laughs> Or we have misidentified vultures, or condors, or we have a whole other species. Or reptilian spaceships. No, or reptilian spaceships. Or dragons. Dragons. Are you a dragon? Four dragons! Against! (laughs) I guess that's going to do it for Thunderbirds. Let us know what your theories are. Do you think that these are real creatures, or do you have some other explanation for them? Oh, like griffins. Ooh. Or hippogriffs. 
Ooh, I like hippogriffs. Oh. I like hippogriffs. Or peritons. Or big black hawks. Big black, black, black. Big black hawks. BCHs. <laughs> or BBHs. BB, Wait. BBH. BBH. You can let us know on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or our new Discord server at UMP Normalcy. So I guess it could be big black cocks, too. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> It's a big flying clock. Clock? <laughs> clock. It's a big flying <laughs> clock. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my uh, <laughs> where duck came out. <laughs> where, where chicken? <laughs> he, has, he has ducks on the brain. Clock. Clock. <laughs> clock. Clock. <laughs> um, yeah, so Instagram, Facebook, and Discord at UMP Normalcy. Check those out. Our Discord is getting more active, and it's getting awesome. What, what? Um, also, I, I added a couple channels in there for like where you can share memes, or there's even one where you can just ask us anything. Yeah, you can even listen to music on there. Yeah, you can even listen to music. You can even listen to our podcast right through it. Yeah, it's linked to Spotify. You just dash play, and then write whatever the hell you want. Yeah, there you go. Um. Also, don't forget to check out our f- website at umpnormalcy.com. You'll find links to all of our brother and sister podcasts. Uh, we got Lux Occult, Smuts Up, Ad Hoc History, Faith Blind Council, Administrism, and Grognostics. All right. Well, until next time, keep digging. <laughs>